Welcome into this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night when we are recording this, and I am joined by two esteemed guests. Uh, on my right, we have the King of Thornton himself, Jeff Morton, making his valiant return back to the program. Jeff, how are you, sir? I'm great, and hopefully people can hear me this time. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, a clear audio through the whole podcast, uh, which... I have to apologize to everyone for, I apologize, but I, I promise you whatever I was saying in that, that crappy audio was gold, complete gold. Absolutely. We, uh, we always know that it's gold. We always know that when we're, when we're going to bring you on, we've got some great tidbits that we're going to get, and we're going to get some even, even greater tidbits from the big stiff himself, the best stiff himself. We have, I, I think my title for you was former big stiff and all around Denverites. I think that's what we're going to go with. It's Andrew Feinstein. Andy, what's up? Hey, Ryan, thanks for having me on. I'm just uh, honored and privileged to be in the shadows of the King of Thornton. And uh, I don't know if I'd use the word, I don't know if I'd use the word, I don't know if I'd use the word great like Jeff so easily did, but we are still living in a global pandemic. But the fact that yeah. NBA basketball is coming back as surreal and bizarre as it's going to be, uh, I am definitely in an elevated mood. So we'll use, a, we'll use an elevation uh, uh, allegory there. Yeah. It really is coming back. It is, it's insane how close and how quickly this thing has come since the last time we spoke, both, both of you guys. We, we talked during the, during the pandemic and kind of during the doldrums of that time. And lo and behold, today is July 9th, and the Nuggets are going to play an exhibition game on July 22nd. That is nuts. That is insane. And they're, they're going to play an official game on July 30th. So I, I'll just start with you guys. Are, are you both excited that this is going to come back? Let's start with Jeff. I, yeah, fingers crossed that it actually happens. Uh, the Nuggets only brought 75% of their team. And, yeah. uh, no, and no one knew where Jokic was until today. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, and I got to say, I was really burned out, really burned out of, on basketball. Andy can probably speak to this, too. I just, after doing this for so long and, and being so intimately involved, you just kind of hit a wall. Uh, and I think sure. uh, conversely and in a weird way, uh, this pandemic has kind of made me realize how much I like basketball. So, uh, yeah, I really am looking forward to it. As bizarre as it's going to be, I'm really looking forward to uh, new games coming up really soon. Andy, what about you? Yeah, I mean, Jeff's making a great point. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, you know, there was a reason why we were all glued to our televisions to watch The Last Dance, you know, uh, during this very long break. and. Um, I am just so excited to see basketball back. Like I said, it's going to be surreal. It's going to be weird, but uh, I, I can't wait. I, I just can't wait. Um, I think sports is something that, especially with everything we're going through, and not just in this country, but around the world, you know, sports, especially basketball, uh, is, is something that really galvanizes us, um, brings us together rather than divides us when we're living in an era with so much division. And uh, it's just... Uh, uh, it's also going to be, a, I, I believe, a necessary distraction that we desperately need. So I, I'm just so excited. And I love the fact that it's, you know, totally different. Um, you know, no fans uh, in the bubble, uh, just totally, totally different. So uh, excited to see how it plays out. It's going to be weird, but it's going to be fun. It, like you guys said, this is going to be 
one of the craziest things we've ever experienced watching basketball before. And you guys have watched a lot of basketball. This is, this is, I, I, I don't know what to compare this to Jeff is, is there anything that you could p- compare this to in history? Something that the we're only, watching right now. Only thing I could think of is the 50 game post uh, lockout uh, weirdness. Uh, and what you really got to realize about 1999, the post lockout 50 games sure. was sure. that they, they didn't, actually get two regular season games until late January. And it was on the regular NBA season schedule. So those games were packed together. Uh, like like kind of like these are going to be. And the, the play that season was atrocious. It was the worst play I've ever seen in my life. Um, but they got it done. And it was really, truly weird. And that, that year you had the Knicks and the uh, Spurs in the uh, in the house. So that's the only thing I could think of, maybe the 66 games compressed season. But I, even then, there's no precedence for what we've got going right now. None. Yeah, yeah it's, Jeff it's, and I, Jeff's, Jeff's kind of reading my mind. I, I would say the exact same thing. It does remind me of that, that squirrely 50-win season. And I think the games that we're about to see are going to remind us. Jeff, do you remember in 98-99, a bunch of those guys played like an exhibition game and they were all out of shape. It looked like the old uh, Magic Johnson all-star game that they used to play in the summer in LA. Yes. It was just like the generic jerseys. And I don't remember if that was for charity or if that was just the players association trying to shove it up the league's ass or something, but yeah. it was just the weirdest, weirdest uh, like exhibition strange. game. And I kind of, I do yeah. feel like this is going to feel like that. Uh, the jerseys aren't going to be the same. Um, a lot of these guys aren't going to look the same. And uh, it does have that kind of, uh, again, Je- Jeff kind of nailed it on the head. 98-99, very, very similar. I love it. I, I think this is cool. This is, this is going to be something completely different. And given the fact that we've watched the Golden State Warriors over the past five, six years, they've really transitioned into a beast that we had never seen before in terms of just amassing as much of that talent in free agency as we've ever seen. Uh, this is so new. We, we have three like we have LeBron, of course, but we have three new teams that are going to go at this thing in, in the bubble as the favorites. And then we have several dark horses that are coming behind them. Uh, but it seems like it could be anybody's guess. It could be anybody's team or any, anybody's possible championship that, that we're getting to at this point. Uh, has the league ever been this open in terms of not necessarily knowing what's going to go on? Well, I don't have I would, the stats. I don't, I don't, sorry, Jeff. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, Ryan. Um, but, um, you know, home court advantage is a big deal in the playoffs. Big, big deal. Yeah. And there is no home court advantage here. And uh, so that's going to be really interesting. I mean, I don't know what – I just can't imagine for these guys what it's going to be like playing in a silent gym. I mean, Jeff, is it going to be like those Barcelona 92 scrimmages maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's it's going to be – that that so that to me, Ryan, is a real equalizer because you know, you think about teams like Utah or Toronto or Boston that have these just voracious home crowds and they don't have those anymore, you know? Um, right. that that's gonna be interesting because that does affect coaching, that affects the whistles, that it, it does have a huge effect at home court advantage, especially in the postseason. The only thing I could think of as far as any sort of allegory to what the craziness and may, maybe no potential favorite is the mid seventies when you had like, you had a terrible Phoenix suns team uh, make the finals in 1976 
I think they'd won 42 games that year. Uh, you had wow. a Golden State team the year before win uh, out of nowhere. Uh, you had the Washington Bullets make the finals four four years that that that, that uh, finals nuts. run. It's it was the you, you, that's the only thing I could think of. But once again, it's hard to draw a comparison. And the only thing I could think of is with this whole thing is that yes, because of the lack, as Andy said, of the lack of home court advantage, uh, we're probably it's it's going to throw a, a, a monkey wrench into this whole thing that could probably see maybe not a favorite rise to the top because uh i think home court advantage means a ton in the nba probably more than any other sport um certainly doesn't mean much in the nhl so i i will i'm gonna say that maybe that's gonna throw a little little thing into the a little thing into the the mix eloquent jeff um <laughs> and little uh, uh monkey wrench into it and and to maybe maybe give us something we hadn't seen maybe a toronto raptors uh andy's uh uh Andy's second favorite team. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, Jeff, uh, other than LeBron's Cavs winning at Oakland in 16 in a game mm-hmm. seven on the road, I don't believe – oh, you know what? The, I think the, the, the uh, was either the Sonics or the Bullets. One of them won, I, I believe, a game seven on the road in either 78 or 79. It's literally mm-hmm. happened twice. And I think that the home team has won game seven over 80% of the time in the postseason. So, all, you know, that just shows you how weighted that home court advantage is. So I know we're kind of talking in circles about the same thing, but this will be uh, – I actually the Raptors, I mean, I'm biased because they are my second favorite team, but I do think a veteran team like the Raptors uh, that knows how to grind through this stuff uh, has an advantage here. Um, and uh, whereas I think a young, inexperienced team that may not have the discipline uh, could be ousted even a little bit earlier here, or a squirrely team like the Rockets that don't have any discipline to begin with could be in trouble early here. It's interesting. There, there are a lot of different teams that I think you could make a case for that could be a dark horse, that could be a challenger for some of these top squads. Um, you guys want to run through it real quick? I've got, I've got a list of teams, and I just like a yes or no uh, to is this team a dark horse contender? It, it, could this team win a title in the bubble? Uh, because I think there are, there, the list is larger than I think we, uh, I think we usually see. Um, let's run through it real quick. Uh, and th- this can be real quick. Uh, the Indiana Pacers, they just lost Victor Oladipo. Uh, is this a team that could upset the Bucks in the Eastern Conference? No chance, and uh, they'll be done in the first round. Yeah, kind of seems like it. It, it kind of seems like it's a, tough, it's a tough place for them to be. Uh, what about the Dallas Mavericks? Could they, could they challenge any of the top squads in the West? I don't think so. They don't, I don't think they have the depth. And uh, as much as we all like Doncic, uh, he's never been in any playoff series. So I say no. I, I yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they are. But I do enjoy watching them play. So, uh, but yeah, I, I just as their first playoffs, I just don't see it happening for them. Yeah, I tend to agree on both of those fronts. Uh, the Boston Celtics. Yes. 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 I say yes, yes too. And, and it's, it's, they were, tough. they were really, really on a roll um, and kind of showing much better uh, towards the second half of the season. So the, their defense, defensive discipline, it was, will come really in handy when uh, teams are not shooting well. 
Um, and uh, that I think teams that are more solidly solid and together defensively uh, are the teams that can kind of persevere in an unusual setup like we have now. Again, Jeff read my mind. Um, you know, if you look back to 99, 98, 99, that really weird 50 win season, look who got to the finals, the Spurs and yep. the Knicks, the two most defensively yep. sound teams in the league that year. And mm-hmm. Jeff's absolutely right. I mean, if you've got a solid defense, it makes up for a lot of mistakes, which is why I'm going to stick with my original pick from before the entire season started for who's going to win this thing. But I'll wait till we get to that team as we go down the roster of teams here. Yeah. Celtics are definitely, they, they, as, as sad as this is, they definitely excite me in terms of what the, what they could potentially be. Uh, they're surprisingly deep in terms of the number of offensive options that they have too. like, Jason Tatum's the guy that gets all the fanfare there, but Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward's in and out of there. Uh, yeah. They've got some good players. Um, yeah. Let's go Oklahoma City. No. By the way, Jeff, real quick, one quick mm-hmm. comment on the Celtics. They yeah. broke my uh, college coaches make crummy NBA coaches theory. Brad Stevens, oh. I think, is the only guy that successfully made the transition. You are absolutely um, right, man. You're let, absolutely let, right. Let's go back to Oklahoma City. I'm going to say no how, with a caveat, though. I always thought that was a really interesting team come the playoffs. I mean, you've got some really solid veterans there, and um, I just don't think they have enough depth, but I, I, I wouldn't want to be playing Oklahoma City in the first round. I don't think they will be um, like a contender, but they will give a first round or, or even a second round opponent a bunch of trouble, um, particularly with the way uh, there seems to be a nice uh, – I don't know, a symbiotic relationship between uh, Danilo Gallinari's shooting and Chris Paul's just being the floor general, you know? And I think that right. really has been a, 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 a part that people weren't expecting coming into the season. Uh, I certainly did not expect the Oklahoma City Thunder to be doing as well as they are right now. So, But I just don't believe that they have that staying power. So, uh, But they'll be, tough. they'll be a tough first-round opponent. By the way, why does everybody always say how brilliant Sam Presti is? Does nobody else besides me realize he took five championships and turned them into zero? <laughs> you, and B- <laughs> you and Bill Simmons, man. You and Bill Simmons. <laughs> All right. I love it. I love it. Well, he he did do a good job of making this particular trade, but the, the first nope. trade that he made but with James I Harden, I, I that's a problem. Disagree. I respectfully disagree. They're really? going to get end-of-the-draft picks that are going to mean nothing. And I guess maybe they could package a few of them and move up to 15 or something. But anyway, let's keep going. I, I, th- I, I will uh, just to say, I do agree with Andy. Um, Sam Presti, I actually wrote a column at, on Denver Stiffs in like 2012, uh, 13, right around there, about how uh, overrated Sam Presti was. Uh, because, <laughs> and, and it was after the Harden trade. So, yeah, it was 2012. And I said, See, like, I remember they, I wrote, I wrote that the Harden trade was a good trade because <laughs> it would make the Thunder deeper. And I remember Jeff, our friend Brett Barrett told me, it's like whenever you trade a top ten player, it's not a good trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Bear that's was great. Right. Bear yeah. was right. Oh, man, that's just, that's that's crazy. That's a good that's a good side story. Bear was also right when he called me a drama queen. So. Uh, everybody's right when they call you a drama queen come on now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm a a no on oklahoma city too but of the uh of them and utah i would much rather face utah that's for sure uh the toronto raptors hell yes Uh, yeah i was gonna say i was gonna defer to andy on this one 
Hell yes, and, and, and uh, I just don't want to jinx anything, but I feel really good about the Raptors um, and potentially repeating, frankly. Interesting. Got, wow, that's that's intense. They have got um, tremendous I – mean, Nick Nurse has more forms of zone defense than Jim Beheim, and I got to say that I, I, I have been impressed with the way he's been able to – you know. They remind me of the 57-win Nuggets, this, this version of the Raptors. They're very fast. They get out on breaks constantly. They are right. a leak-out team. Uh, they go for steals. And uh, I really do see them not as a – they're not a team that has a, a, any, any superstar on it now that Kawhi's gone, but they're a team that plays together. And particularly in the East, I could see the way they are stitched together. I could really see them being a dark horse candidate for a title. And remember, like Jeff said, yes, they're like the 57-win Nuggets, but with a big difference. They have a coach who does the dictating in the playoffs. He's not the dictate E. Yes. Uh, so yes. they have a coach that uh, he'll, he'll, <clears throat> they'll punish their opponents, whereas uh, we all know who the Nuggets coach was when they won 57 games, and they were the ones that were befuddled. Um, mm. So yeah, just the, the, the Raptors may have the best coach in the NBA uh, at right now. Um, and the job he was doing, I feel, I mean, I feel bad for Nick Nurse in the sense that the job he was doing this year was, was a coach of the year type job. I love Nick Nurse. I think he's great. I think he'll probably still get coach of the year, to be honest. He, uh, he definitely deserves it given what he's had to deal with and, and what they've ultimately become because they, they really haven't lost a step and it's been very impressive. Um, the Houston Rockets. I'm Obviously. saying no. I, I yeah, think I'm Russell no Westbrook and, and I think James Harden are, are they're just not winners in the playoffs. They're not. They're stat stuffers. I say no. I'm going to say no, too. Uh, n- not that necessarily – I'm not going to fall back on my usual thing with uh, a, t- a team that, you know, chucks that many threes because, honestly, that's the where the league is right now. I'm just going to say there's something missing with them, and, and quite frankly – I just don't believe the fact that they don't have anyone on their roster over six foot six right now is going yeah. to help them, particularly when things slow down. Uh, that's where that's where I'm going to say that they they just they they're going to be missing it, and they were missing it from the very the, from the jump this season. So that's my answer. New no. and I'm Mike D'Antoni has become like the modern day you know Rick Edelman. You know, great system, right. fun to watch, great guy, uh, but. They're not, he's not winning an NBA championship in his coaching career. I'm going to say yes, and here's why. Um, I, I do understand those concerns, and I think that they are extremely reliant on James Harden, on Russell Westbrook to be able to do everything for that team. Um, if they have one injury, then they are definitely going down. However, that team – has always been super reliant on James Harden. And at the end of each season, he's been extremely tired. He's tired out. He hasn't been able to play in different ways. He hasn't had another guy that can really share, share the load with him. I think that they could actually make this work with Russell Westbrook. And he's, he's going to take a lot of those possessions. And as long as, as long as he stays efficient, which there's, there's no guarantee there. Don't get me wrong. But if he stays efficient, then I think James Harden's going to have, Probably the best chance he's had outside of the one year against the Warriors a couple of seasons ago, uh, where they missed 27 threes in a row, which is 
Still a stat I will never have, didn't forget. He a, didn't he have a quadruple double with turnovers in a playoff game or something? <laughs> he's uh, had many. He's had a couple of those, and uh, and that is it's definitely not an endearing stat. That's for sure. That game in his defense. The, in his defense, they really got screwed when Chris Paul went down. Um, yeah, they, yeah. With that hamstring injury, the Warriors have definitely been the beneficiaries of other teams getting hurt. But maybe that karma came around in the finals, of course, last year. So. That, um, that I'm game, still a no on the Rockets. I appreciate what you're saying, Ryan, but I'm a no. That game where they missed 27 threes in a row was one of the most hard, the, one of the hardest games to watch I've ever watched. And they were somehow in the game. And I, it, I, I, don't, I just don't understand it. But the, ever since that game, I've been, I've been out on the Rockets. And I know that's a psychological thing, but I just – I saw that and I'm like, I, if I would have to slog through a game because you're chucking 23 you know, threes in a row – I, I just like start to say you're, you're done. I'm, I'm done. It was crazy. It was, it was quite a thing to watch, but they were still close then. And that was against a, a fully loaded warriors team. So yes, it was. I, I wonder if, if the teams that they played this year, if, if they were to, let's say, let's say the Clippers lose a roster player with, with to COVID-19 or, or the Lakers lose one of their players to COVID-19. Let's say it's not a superstar. Like I they, it could at least, be in th- it could it could be in theory that they could get through those teams, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. I it's a dark horse though. Uh, okay, let's move on. Miami Heat. Yeah, maybe. Um, Jimmy Butler is a big fat factor in that, um, and the how good Andrea Iguodala is, I guess, because they got the shooting. They definitely got the shooting. And uh, I think they could I, – I, and they're not going to be a contender, but I think they can really make life difficult for uh, anyone in the uh, Eastern Conference. I, I am, I'm all in on the Miami Heat. Uh, basically, after I saw them, the Nuggets clubbed them by 25 or something like that. But right. uh, I still like the way they, they played. They, were, they just had a lot of the elements you need for the modern NBA. So they're going to be a tough out, but they're not a contender. I like Jeff said it very well. I'm a soft no on the Heat, but gosh, talk about coaching. I mean, Eric, is Eric Spolstra not top three? He's um, great. He's great. And uh, he's great. And again, back to the defense thing, as Jeff said, the shooting thing, uh, I'm a soft no, um, but I see the Heat second round um, and uh, a pain in the butt for whoever has to try to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually going to go yes on this team because oh, wow. I I think that the one matchup in the Eastern Conference that I think could scare the Milwaukee Bucks is Bam Adebayo against Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm, I think yeah. Bam he kind of profiles as that that big physical athletic player that you need to match up with Giannis. Uh, now it could go the other way, and Giannis could neutralize Bam, and and that just doesn't look great for for a team like the Heat. But if they get if they get hot, if they have enough shooting, if Jimmy Butler comes to play, then maybe it works. Um, but I don't know. It's it's so tough when talking about a team like the Bucks because they really are an excellent team. Yeah, it's hard to talk about any team matching up with those guys. Yeah. Um, what about Utah? No, on Utah. As soon as they lost Bogdanovich, I I think they lost that element that could have extended their life in the playoffs. Um, honestly, right. I, I wasn't a big Utah fan to begin with. And with the Gobert-Mitchell dynamic, 
uh, who was it? Uh, uh, McMahon and ESPN had a big article about them yesterday, I think. Yeah, it doesn't look good for them with the chemistry stuff. And I'm no on Utah for a different reason. Um, I liked them better when they had Ricky Rubio. And I, I think the Mike Connolly thing was a mistake. Um, and it's not worked. And so I'm no on Utah. It's possible. I, 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 I tend to give Mike Conley the benefit of the doubt. He got injured. Didn't, didn't look right for a lot of the year. And when you're, when you're that age, like I think about Paul Millsap in a lot of the same light, like he's, he's been kind of, uh, mixed up in terms of his impact and his ability to, to stay healthy. And, but when he is healthy, he's, he's super impactful. So maybe they can get healthy. Maybe they can make it work, but it's, it's going to be interesting with them. Um, Philadelphia. They got great defense. Great defense. And that's another one where I'm like, if they get going and they f- actually find the right lineup combination with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, maybe playing them apart as much as possible, uh, they could be on to something. But uh, the Al Horford experiment hasn't worked. Uh, he's been better off the bench. Uh, in the brief time that he was on the bench, but uh, I'm I and I'm 50-50 on them. And it, is it is it okay to do fifty-fifty? Because sure, <laughs> because I, I mean, like hey. I want to say, I want to say they will. I, I honestly I want to say it, but man, they got some s- real serious problems when it comes to playing Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid together. And that's part of what makes them such a great defense too. So and they're they're a great home team. And they've lost their home court advantage. So, you know, that's, there's a bunch of factors in there. So I'm like, I'm right down the middle with them. Yeah, I'm, say, I'm saying no. Um, like Jeff said, the Al Horford experiment, um, I think it's backfired. They got too many big bodies, um, not enough spacing. I never quite understood why they lost the shooters that they, shot, they lost and didn't replace them. Uh, Philly is a terrifying place to play for opponents and that now is taken out of the equation so i'm a no on philadelphia yeah i'm a no on them as well uh i think you guys hit it on the head with the defense that's that's a that's a great thing in their favor they have one of the best defensive teams one of the best profiles for a defensive team when you've you've got a guy like ben simmons who can do everything joel mb just swallows up the paint he's 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 great uh i just don't trust joel mb as the as the driving force for an offensive team or for a championship level offense that kind of gets through all of those rounds and, and makes it work. Uh, ben Simmons not being able to shoot really hurts them. That's the easy low hanging fruit with that team. But like you said, they have other problems too. Tobias Harris hasn't really played that great. Uh, Al Horford is, is not the same player he was. Uh, I'm, I'm a no on them. I just don't think they have enough firepower. Um. And the last one, uh, I, I'm I'm not talking about the the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks in this because I think those three are the front runners. The last one, Denver Nuggets. Uh, start with Jeff on this one because I I want to save Andy's take for last. <laughs> um, I I don't okay. Denver Stiffs listeners or readers are going to get really angry with me here, but I don't. <laughs> I as as of right now, no. Um, honestly, I. I I have I've had I've had reservations with the team all year. They don't look right, um, and the fact that it's just 
Okay, I'll just I'll just throw this out there. Will Barton and Gary Harris are two of the smallest uh, threes and twos in the league. And how the Portland Trailblazers ended up prevailing over the Nuggets in ground two last year was Rodney Hood was tall. I mean, that was literally it. He was just he was just tall. And I just don't see how they remedied that problem unless they want to play Michael Porter Jr. and Jeremy Grant a significant amount of minutes, and I don't see Malone doing that. I can see the Nuggets making it to the second round again, um, and I can see it go seven. Much like last year, I can see it going seven games. They may even make it to the Western Conference Finals, although the Clippers and the Lakers are pretty damn good. So I'm, I'm saying, uh, unfortunately for me, no. Yeah, I, I unfortunately, my, my, unfortunately, my prognostication is not much more positive, and I hate saying that because obviously that's the team I'll be rooting for more than any. It's our team. That's why we're that's why we're the Denver Stiffs. But what sure. would have been more fitting, frankly, would have been if this is like a sixty-five win Nuggets team, best season ever, and it ended with a global pandemic. That would have been more Stiffs like. <laughs> so that didn't happen. Um, you know, I went to the one of the Lakers games here and I don't remember the stats, but just fourth quarter, Anthony Davis just decided I'm taking over and Jokic couldn't get a shot off. So, so I just think that Lakers Clippers, as much as we collectively hate them, um, there's a real edge there. And I, I, my edge goes to the Clippers. They've got the defensive intensity. They've got the uh, better coach than the Lakers, the better defense, the better depth, and uh, I hate to I hate to see the Clippers rewarded for what happened in the offseason, but I think that's where this thing is heading. And by the way, yeah. the Clippers Raptors finals would be awesome to see the Raptors go up against Kawhi and the Clippers. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be that would be nuts, honestly. And I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. Um, yeah, I'm fifty fifty. I I've been back and forth on this thing for a while. I try to be one of the more optimistic people out there with regard to this team. There are definitely some weaknesses. There are definitely some problems. Jeff, you hit it on the nail on the head that, Hey, size definitely does matter in this case. Uh, Gary Harris is pretty short. Will Barton is pretty short, especially for a three. Uh, the Nuggets don't have a lot of other great options out there unless they decide to go with Michael Porter Jr. Unless they decide to get flexible with Jeremy Grant. I think that they will eventually with those things. But the fact that they didn't do it enough this year, the fact that they didn't have those guys spend enough time out on the floor to get comfortable, I don't think this team's going to be ready to do that. With the pandemic, I, I don't know where the chemistry comes from with that group. I'm, I'm struggling to see how they could actually handle that. Yeah. Uh, but it could come together. And Michael Porter Jr., if we do trust his talents, he could put that together and he could start making shots. And – I trust Jamal Murray to, to do what he can to be the great second option to Nikola Jokic, and I trust Nikola Jokic to be, at, if not the best player on the floor in any series, at least pretty close to it. Um, that is an optimistic point of view, though, and if any of those things go wrong, this team definitely doesn't – they don't make it work, and then things fall through, and they have to re recoup next year and figure things out. But I'm uh, I'm definitely of the mind that it's 50-50, it's but – in order for the yes to happen, Michael Porter Jr. has to play. Jeremy Grant has to play a lot. And the Nuggets have to go big. And they got to figure it out. Yep, I agree. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have for, for this section. Actually, let me let me end, end on this section with this. Of the three title favorites... Which one are you picking right now? Uh, start with Andy on this one. Well, I kind of already said it. So I picked the Clippers to start the season. I'm still picking the Clippers. Um, I just think defense and metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, is going to be uh, what's needed um, this time around. And they've got it on the floor and on the sidelines. I agree. Clippers has been the one for me most of the year. Ever since I saw them, uh, just, it's just – they looked impressive. They looked like they knew. And they looked like they were a team that knew that they could win if they turned it on. And uh, sometimes those teams just have it. Kawhi Leonard is arguably one of the best players in the NBA. Um, that top, top three, definitely. Uh, and then this, I, I just, there's no, there, no other way to say it. The Clippers have it. The Lakers, I, I don't, their ancillary pieces are not there. And the Bucks. Until Mike Budenholzer can prove that he can get into a finals, I don't believe it. So that's where I'm at. And one more comment on the Clippers. You know, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who are not just their two best players, but two of the best players in the NBA, had a lot of injury problems. Well, they just had four months off. Oh, so yeah. I, I think a healthy Paul George and a healthy Kawhi Leonard, wow. You know, yep. um, uh, that scares me. They they look like the modern day Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen combo. Like that's yep. just that's the the type of frame that they have, the type of the the ferocity that they play on the wing, the versatility, uh, and the aggressiveness. Like they they scare you out the, out there on the floor. So I, I I know it's boring, but I probably am going to agree with you guys there and say the Clippers. They just they just have the most talent. I think. Um, who is the third best player on the Los Angeles Lakers right now? <laughs> J.R. Smith? Uh, <laughs> Maybe. Yes. <laughs> JaVale McGee? That's like, what is this, 2011? What's going on here? Who's the, could say, who's the could say Dwight Howard. Who's oh, the no. balding white guy? I love him. Caruso. Caruso, yes. Him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, Maybe him. Not Kyle Kuzma. Just think about that for a second. J.R. Smith and JaVale McGee. This is literally the nuggets of almost a decade ago. I mean, just just let that sink in for a moment. Who would have thought oh, that no. JaVale McGee would have two titles? Uh, not not, not I, I. It's not yeah. I. Definitely not and I. And Smith has a ring. Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. That's the key. That's the key. You can't play for the Nuggets anymore, and then you pick up rings. <laughs> oh. Okay. Two more things before, before we get out of here. Jeff, you said you wanted to opine on the trade machine the next time you hopped on this pod. So I'm going to let you opine, sir. Anyone who has read Denver Stiffs for the last 10 years knows that I, I was about to swear. <laughs> I, hate, I hate the trade chain. And it's because people, it, it's the tool. I understand why ESPN and I think Bill Simmons had a big part of it but brought this thing into being. But what it has done is make armchair uh, people who want to do trades that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. 
and think, well, no, it works on the trade machine. And then it, it, when I was at Stiffs, it drove me up the wall. Okay. I, and people don't see this because this is a podcast. I'm gesticulating with my fingers. <laughs> I hate that thing. It's gesticulating it was, very hard. It was, it was the, it was dealing with people who like had no concept of what actually how a team works. It's like, well, you know, uh, uh, if I put, if I plugged, uh, uh, you know, uh, Nikola Jokic being traded for LeBron James into the trade machine and it works. Well, no shit. It works. But that's like in like uh, in fantasy world, and I, I sw- I'm sorry for swearing. Uh, it's in, it's You're in okay. fantasy, You're in okay. fantasy world in your in your brain, and it doesn't it it doesn't apply to anything. I hate that thing. I hate it. So when I wrote, when I used to write for Denver Stiffs, I couldn't figure out how the damn trade machine worked. And you know, a, a regular topic, of course, when you run a, a basketball blog, is is potential trades, trade talk, you know, et cetera. And I literally couldn't figure out how that worked. I mean, we needed like a resident capologist. We need like a Ben Tenzer on staff at Denver Stiffs to figure <laughs> this stuff out. Um, I, I could never figure it out. And I would go on other people's shows like Sandy Clef or Les Shapiro and they'd ask me who the Nuggets should be trading for. And I just, I did never understood. I've never understood. I'm pretty good with math. You know, in theory, I run a reasonably successful business. I have no idea how the NBA salary cap works and how the trade machine works. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the actual reason why I was brought on to Denver Stiffs was because <laughs> hey, you are capologist, uh, Ryan. The, the, pretty the pretty much. I mean, honestly, like I, I was I was the guy who would who'd plug all the numbers in and put them into an Excel document and and just say, hey, this kind of works, or or hey, this doesn't work, and just kind of going from there. But I I, th- I think that's pretty funny, Jeff. That's that's definitely something that you would be mad about. <laughs> why like, like and then you see it on twitter well you know this works screw you who cares I'm yeah sorry. The, I am oh so it's sorry. all good the the only reason that i would ever use the trade machine is is just for my own personal rumination uh i've i've i can totally understand the the hypothetical ones where you know it's definitely not going to work and then still publishing it anyway and say hey look at what i came up with it's it's the most irritating thing possible and i got the players definitely hate it like they, oh yeah they they hate it uh okay last thing before we go we've got some denver stiff stories that i want to share uh i have one and i want to i want to hear one from each of you uh so the first time i met andy i think ever was at the oh, 2016 draft party at jake's at Jake's Sports and Spirit or Jake's Food and Spirits. It's not Sports, no, sports and Spirits. It's sports and Spirits by 16. I mean, okay, okay. Sports and Spirits. But go gotcha. Ahead. Uh, and that was, that was interesting. I, I don't, I don't think I met Jeff at that time. I, I could have, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about the exact time when we first met Jeff, but it could have been at the same party. Um, I, think, I think I was probably there. I, I have no doubt. I, I just was wondering if I, if I had met you beforehand. Um, but yeah, the Nuggets selected Jamal Murray, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Malik Beasley, and Peter Cornelly on that day. So uh, only Jamal Murray and Peter Cornelly remain on the team. <laughs> uh, that, that, that was not there. That is that the last... We uh, we shut Jake's 
down and we released it to Rhino Beer Guard, which I would recommend all of your listeners uh, going and, and, and visiting. It's a terrific operation. Um, we pivoted to Rhino Beer Guard in probably 2017, but that was probably the last dips night out at Jake's, I'm guessing. Is that what you're saying, Ryan? Yeah, well, I, I think so. I, I, I cut out just a little bit there, uh, maybe maybe more than just a little bit. But uh, well, I thought that was interesting. And, and one of the parties that I remember there specifically was we actually had kind of a closed door party one night where we talked about some fun nuggets, tidbits that you guys had heard before in, in your special, in your special conversations with people. Oh, and boy. I, no, I want to share, I want to share one that I think is expired enough that <laughs> I think we could talk about it. Uh, the biggest tidbit that I remember from those conversations is how interested the nuggets were in Paul Millsap forever, forever. And Jeff was on this from oh, the yeah. beginning that, Hey, they've yeah. been trying to trade for him. They tried to trade for him at the, the 16, 17 deadline. I'm pretty sure. And, um, Within that year, Paul Millsap was a nugget. The Nuggets, uh, when Paul Millsap signed with the Rockets, or not the Rockets, what am I saying? At the Hawks, why did I say Rockets? Um, in 2013, I think? Yeah, I think 13, so. 14 season. Um, mm-hmm. That's the first time I heard about the Nuggets' interest in Paul Millsap, 2013, uh, wow. that season. Uh, they... They were very, very impressed with him, and uh, yeah, they, it was a long time. Uh, particularly, this particular management structure was very interested in Paul Millsap going back many years now. Um, do you guys have any other good stories about the the early days of of hanging out at Jake's and, and just running the site together or operating the site together? Uh, Nate Timmons also deserves a ton of credit in that discussion, of course. Oh, and. Nate's the reason we all we're all credentialed. Uh, uh, Nate's hard hard work and uh, going to every ancillary event the Nuggets had was uh, the reason that was the gateway to all bloggers in Denver being uh, being you know able to have credentials and uh, we all owe Nate a huge debt of gratitude for that. Um, I it's, I could tell you when I first actually met Andy in person. Um, I went to his <laughs> office. Uh, it was when it was on. Wait, wait, the... wait, wait, wait. I got to cut Jeff off here. So Jeff's not telling the best part of the story. Okay. So Jeff, Jeff was a commenter <laughs> when I ran Dem- Denver Stiffs by myself. And then when Nate and I joined forces, Jeff was this pesky commenter <laughs> who, JPage78, who never agreed with anything I wrote. Always antagonized me. Pro Carmelo this, pro Carmelo that, and we. He always would refute no matter what I said. If I said that the sky was blue today, he'd say no, it's not. It was green. And anything I wrote, Jeff J Page seventy eight, this mysterious commenter, would always antagonize me and go against me. But I noticed a couple of things. He was a great writer. He had a strong point of view. He knew his stuff. Like he really, really knew his stuff. Uh, and he certainly had time on his hands to be commenting all the time. So when Nate and I talked about how <laughs> overwhelmed we were, and Ryan, you know this because you're the site manager now. Oh, yeah. And when Nate and I were like, gosh, we're overwhelmed. We really need a third guy. Well, who should it be? I said, we got to pick this guy. I don't know who he is, but he, this is the guy. You want someone who – you don't want someone who agrees with everything you say. You actually want someone who disagrees with everything you say. But anyway, Jeff, then you can take it from there about when you came to see me in my office. Well, I, it, it, here's the thing. I got a text from Andy out of nowhere, and it, I'd forgotten that he and I had been in contact on the phone during the Utah 
uh, Nuggets Utah uh, series, and I was going to meet up with Andy uh, sometime during the game, and we just couldn't uh, uh, meet past. But I did meet Chauncey, uh, talk to Chauncey Billups. That's a long story. But anyway, he still had my number. I get to this this text from Andy saying, "Do you want to come down and meet me?" And I'm like, "Okay." And it, it just it was just one of those things. So I I'm like. I was like, you know, screw it, I'll go. And then his office, your office was not on Larimer where it is now. It was on the other side, right? It was uh, on Walnut, yeah. Yeah, Walnut. And I, I, I walk in and I meet M- – Marty's the first person. I think Marty answered – was there at the door uh, when I came in or something like that. So uh, it, was, uh, it was the Nuggets curmudgeon who I missed. I, I miss you dearly. And uh, I meet Andy. And I could tell that we were both wondering what each other was about. I'll be honest with you. And Andy goes, I just wanted to make sure you weren't a nut. <laughs> That's the first thing he says to me. And I'm like, okay, thank you. I was actually going to say the same thing, Andy. And so we, we, we talk and stuff like that. And I become a writer. And I've told the story before. My first article that I ever wrote for Stiffs back in, I forget what it was, 2009 or 10. Um, I think it was 2009. It was something about Mark Workendane, and, and Andy sends me an email. He says, like, I can't print any of this. He says, I, I, you, like, you have so many things that were like off the records things in here that we can't print, print this thing. <laughs> Could you please rewrite this thing? That was the first article I ever wrote for Denver. Just was that. I had to heavily rewrite that. But yeah, that's, and then and little did I know time that Andy and I would be over 10 years later, really good friends. And uh, if you would have thought about that, uh, like when I was antagonizing, and I would, you would have never thought that. But honestly, I wouldn't trade Andy's friendship for the world. Um, well, it means the world to me to hear that. Jeff is the best. We, we do have a lifelong friendship. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's almost like we've grown up together over these 10 years since we've known each other. Um, and I miss doing this. You know, I, I used to do the Car Sports Guys podcast with Nate and Jeff. And Ryan, you know, I told you and Zach last time, I love doing this with you guys. You know, Stiffs is a family. Um, it never leaves you if you want it to. That's, that's a shout out to you, Nate, if you're listening. Um, but uh, yeah, Jeff's been a lifelong friend. We have a lot in common. Um, yeah. And uh, I just wish I saw him more. But um, uh, those days at Jake's were really fun. I never enjoyed, and I can tell this now, I never enjoyed Stiffs Nights Out because... When you own the bar, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. You're so worried about everyone having a good time, getting their drinks on time, their food being right. And if it's not, you hear about it. To so every burger that comes out late, every set of wings that wasn't fried properly, I was always stressed. I was never able to enjoy a stiff night out. True story. Um, but I love the community that we built. And you know, Ryan, you, and Adam and the crew that kind of succeeded Jeff and myself kind of took Stiffs that out to another level. Um, and that's really one of the unfortunate side effects of this COVID thing is we can't gather right now. Um, yeah. But if and sure. when we can, if you want to do a Denver Stiffs event uh, at Exto, we got big screens. We're going to have sports ready to go here in a couple of weeks. You know, the door is wide open and Jeff and I will both be there. I'll tell you what, uh, it, one of these days we'll tell the story of the Carmelo Anthony going away party. That we had at Stiff's. Well, tell, was, I was just going to say, actually, Jeff, that's okay, so that, well, why, why wait one of these days? I'll just tell it quickly. Okay, so, great. So this is my favorite Stiff's Night Out at Jake's story. So it's, it um, great. I became, I became friends with Masai Ujiri, as you all know. I still go to Africa with him. 
um, every summer. I hope you guys got to watch the Giants of Africa documentary that I did. It's ESPN great. aired I mean, last it's week. Great. Um, yeah. You may you may have seen me in a few cameos in the background. I, I and, saw you uh, through. <laughs> I'm the only kid from Denver there. You can tell it's me. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, so Masai and I kind of became friends, and Josh and I became friends, and I invited him. I was like, you know, so we did this Carmelo Anthony going away party after oh, he got it was, traded. It was great. It was great. And Jeff, I don't know. Did we have 200 people there? I mean, it was we had, packed. It was packed. It was packed. Like we literally couldn't fit more people through the doors. Jake's capacity was maybe 150 tops. Yeah. And we had over 200 people easily. And in walks Masai Ujiri and Josh Carpey. Oh, yes. And they went up to every single fan in that room. And everyone was high-fiving them because they just pulled off, I think, the greatest superstar trade in NBA history. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And high fives all around. And if you remember the NBA Finals last year, when Masai, just on his own volition, wandered into Jurassic Park just to say hi to the fans, not yep. premeditated, just on the fly, that's the same Masai Ujiri who came to the Carmelo Anthony going away party at Stiff's Night Out. Um, he, takes, he takes his relationship with the fans very, very seriously. And I do think that, whether it's myself or Nate or Jeff, I think we had a little bit to do with that, that kind of engagement between the exam. I mean, can you imagine Pat Riley going to a heat bar and hanging out with the fans? <laughs> no. Not you know what I mean? Or Jerry West ever doing that? Or Mitch Kupchak ever doing that? Or Greg oh, Popovich ever doing that? I mean, forget it. You know, um, you know, you so that, and I, that's my all time yeah. favorite Denver Stiffs, uh, Jake story. Oh, it was great. And you know what? You and I, if you remember this, Andy, you and I had talked to Masai and Josh pri prior to that at the big game. Remember that? Uh, that, that place that's now defunct downtown. Uh, that's right. Nuggets had their, like, uh, I thought it was a Christmas party or something like that. Uh, and they were, that's where they got to know me. And, I, and actually, jo it, that's where Josh and I came you know, good pals. It was at, at that first meeting and it's kind of continued 10 years to this day, you know? Uh, and I, I, that, that Carmelo Anthony going away party when Colin Daniel started doing those Carmelo Anthony jokes, I looked over at Josh. Oh, he yeah. had the most, oh, God. he had the most uncomfortable look oh, on God. his face I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and it was just so, it was so uncomfortable. What, it was amazing. It was way, amazing. By the way, Colin Daniels, if you're listening to this, I don't know if he does, but oh my God, I have a lot of respect for him. He has, he's crazy, but he has the balls to say stuff on Twitter that oh, I know all of us are thinking, but don't have the balls to say. Um, <laughs> he is a maniac. Um, he's nuts. And, and he's nuts, but I love him. I used to go on his show all the time, mm -hmm. and they had a game at the end of his show, uh, South Stands Fancast or whatever it was called. They had a game called Raiders Fan. Or insane oh. clown posse, or and you, had to, you <laughs> and you had to guess who the person was. Were they a Raiders fan or were they a uh, insane clown posse fan? Yeah. And he was creative. I don't know. I always loved Colin. He had our back, man. We, what, a we what a crew oh, we had! What a crew we had! I mean, Sandy Clough used to come. Les Sandy, Shapiro used to come. Mark Kisla came. Uh, oh, Kisla would come. I mean, Chris we Thomason. Had, Chris Thomas, we had such a – Chris Thomason loved the lemon pepper jakes and wings. He'd have them all over his shirt. Oh, by the end all of the over. We had, all we, over. Had, <laughs> we had great – I miss those days. But, you know, you, you know, this is why, Ryan, you're in charge now, man. You're the next generation. I was, I was single. I didn't have kids. 
um, you know, you're in charge now. So you well, got to carry the last the one. The last one that we did, it, it left a tough taste in my mouth because we got absolutely shellacked by the Clippers on the night that we did the the last oh, Denver Stiffs night out party with the part, partnering with the Nuggets, and that was that was a shellacking, and, and, and that was I think uh, eleven days before COVID nineteen shut down the NBA. Um, so Jeff, remember Nate, Nate did the Nate did the stats on the Jake's Stiff night outs, weren't we like? 13 and two or something. We had a yeah. really good record. We had a great yeah. record. Uh, <laughs> and the first stiff, stiff night out was at choppers. Remember? I was a disaster. And that's when cause <laughs> the first one, I didn't want to do it at my own bar. Cause I thought that was kind of, you know, a little, I don't know. I didn't feel right about it. And choppers was such a disaster yeah. that I decided from then on out, I'm just going to control this damn thing. So even though I was a stressed mess every time, we always did at Jake's and those were good days, man. I miss those days. I mean, I do too, man. I do too. I'm ready to get back to it. It's it's yeah. gonna be yeah, we all are. It's gonna be a little bit, but I am I am excited. I want to I want to get some stuff started up and and get this camaraderie going again because that's this more than anything is what Nuggets fans need. What NBA fans need is to get back together and really start cheering for their teams again because it's there's nothing like it. There, you can't you yeah. can't replicate that feeling of of when something crazy happens when you're when you're next to somebody in a bar and you get to high five everybody and everybody's going crazy. So yeah, I oh, I, I would love that. I think I that sounds it. like a great plan. Uh, but we're gonna have to see. We're we're gonna we're gonna see how this thing goes. And I I don't know how this is gonna go. This this playoffs could be uh could be really interesting. But it was really fun talking to you guys. Really fun having you guys on. I I I enjoyed the reminiscing a little bit. Anytime, man. I, I will come on anytime you want me to. Let's Absolutely. do this in a. Let's do this. Uh, you know, after the Nuggets play for a week or two, something like yeah. that, and we can um, uh, we can uh, dive back in. So, Ryan, we really appreciate it. I really, really appreciate you. You're bringing me and Jeff back together virtually and mm-hmm. spending some time with you. And you know, you, Zach, Gordon, the crew, just keep doing what you're doing on the site and keep the stiffs uh, flame alive. Absolutely. Let's make this a regular thing, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for reminiscing along with the rest of us. Uh, I will talk to you guys next week.